In the service of Srila Prabhupada, we're going to begin our Govardhan Parikrama. There's Darshan of Govardhan Hill. And a very nice way to begin Govardhan Parikrama is to hear about the appearance of Govardhan Hill. And there's an appearance of Govardhan Hill in Krishna Loka that's described in uh, a very wonderful literature, Garga Samhita. And in Garga Samhita, it's a discussion between a king, Bahulashva, and Narada Muni. And Bahulashva is the one asking, Narada is the one speaking, and the king wants to know about how Govardhan made its appearance in Krishnaloka. It's very sweet. So Radha was smiling and she requested her beloved Krishna to manifest a place where they could perform rasa dance. Knowingly, Krishna nodded in agreement and from his heart, from Krishna's heart in Krishna Loka came this giant hill and the dimensions are given. I'm going to have to look at what the dimensions are mentioned in Garga Samhita. Really big. 100,000 yojanas wide. 1 billion yojanas and a yojana is 8 miles long and 500 million yojanas tall. And Govardhan was continuing to grow and Krishna slapped Govardhan Hill. Let's stop. <laughs> and he smiled. And Radharani was very pleased. So that's the appearance of Govardhan Hill and Krishna Loka. Of course, it's a leela because Govardhan is eternally part of Krishna's places of pastimes. So similarly, Krishna was smiling. This is Garga Samhita. Um, Krishna was smiling. And Radha saw him smiling and asked, My beloved, what is amusing you? And Krishna said, Very soon, we're going to make our appearance in the created realm and we'll enjoy our same pastimes here in the created realm. And Radha looked worried. And Krishna asked, my dear beloved, what is worrying you? And she said, well, being with you is everything for me, but how can we enjoy our pastimes together without the river Jamuna and Govardhan Hill? and all your beloved cows. And Krishna said, no worries. Arrangement is being made for Govardhan to appear in this world, in the created realm. So Garga Samhita goes on to describe how Govardhan of Krishna Loka made appearance as the son of Dronachala, 
Achala means mountain, and Drona Chala is one of the largest mountain ranges in Bumandala. Drona Chala mountain range appears in one of the rings in Bumandala called Simantadweep. Shumi, Shumi, Shamali, Shamali Dwipa. It's one of the seven islands that make up Bumandala. So Drona, the head of the Drona Chala, the mountain range, had as his son Govardhan. And when Govardhan appeared, all the other mountains in that range were very amazed at the beauty and the facilities, the, the minerals and the caves and the flowering trees and all the wonderful spectacular features of Govardhan. So he then was given the name, the best of the hills. And as time passed, according to Garga Samhita, Palash Jamuni, who is from Kashi, maybe some of you know where Kashi is, it's in India, in Simanta, Shamli Dweep is a different part of Bumandal altogether than this earth planet, Bharatvarsha. But he had mystic powers and he was traveling here and there. And when he reached the place where he saw Govardhan Hill, he was just amazed at the beauty and the qualities and the features of this hill. He had never seen such a hill. So he made a request of Drona, very reminiscent, very similar to Vishwamitra Muni requesting the father of Ram, Dasarath, for his son, Ram, to come with him. There's other examples of this. Is this so that the, the father, hearing this request of the sage, was afraid. He was afraid how his life would continue without his dear son. He was also afraid of the wrath of Palasya if he was denied a request such as this. So with great, great reluctance in his heart, he turned to his son, Govardhan, and said, if you wish, you may go with Palascha. And Govardhan, being respectful, wanted to please the sages. So he made, uh, he agreed on the condition. And the condition was, I'll go with you, but wherever you set me down, that's it. I won't go any place further. That was very reasonable. Plus just said, fine. So you see in the upper image in the left, there's Palasya lifting 
Govardhan Hill. Now, Palasya had mystic powers, something like Hanuman had mystic powers, the mystic power being able to happy objects and fly in the sky. This image on the top shows him flying in the sky. And the next image shows he's walking on the ground. So whether he was flying in the sky or walking on the ground, he was carrying Govardhan towards Kashi from Shamali Dweep. And when they got in the vicinity of Vrajamandal, Govardhan began thinking of his eternal pastimes with Krishna. And the Dana Keli Lida Lila and the Rasa Lilas that Radha and Krishna would perform together in the spiritual world. And his mood became so thrilled at being able to participate in Krishna's eternal pastimes here on earth he suddenly became very heavy. And as nature also had the arrangement, Palashtra had to answer the call of nature. So not remembering the promise that he made to Govardhan, he set Govardhan Hill down. He answered the call of nature, took his bath in the river Jamuna, and was ready to move on to Kashi. And when he tried to lift Govardhan, guess what? <laughs> Govardhan wouldn't move. And Palashtra was very wise. He understood what was the reason that Govardhan didn't want to go. So the painting at the bottom shows he cursed Govardhan from this day forward you will shrink one mustard seeds or one sesame seed size every day. And so as a result, the Govardhan that was existing, according to Garga Samhita, I'm going to read to you what the dimensions are, but it's very big. Eight yojanas long. This is during the time of Krishna's pastimes. Eight in a yojana is eight miles, so eight times eight, sixty-four miles long. Eight of five yojanas wide, five times eight is forty miles wide. That's a big mountain. And two yojanas tall. You know any mountain that's sixteen miles tall? Govardhan was really big, really big. But over the period of time, Govardhan has been shrinking. One mustard seed or one sesame seed daily. And so now Govardhan is much smaller and continuing to shrink into the earth. Now the Vrijbasis say there's a different reason than the curse of Palashtra, because who can curse Govardhan? But it's the feelings of separation of Govardhan from Krishna after Krishna's pastimes concluded. Govardhan began shrinking. But imagine the size of Govardhan Hill when Krishna lifted it at the age of seven. Govardhan was much bigger than today. Now, some of the glories of Govardhan are told by 
the gopis. So if you were asked a question in a Bhagavatam class or something, and somebody asked, who can say who's the best of Krishna's devotees? You might say the gopis. Or you might say even specifically Radharani. Or you might say Arjuna, he was the best of he was Krishna's best friend. He Krishna gave him Bhagavad Gita. Or you might say Balaram, because Balaram serves Krishna and all the different rasas. He has such a strong spirit of service. But in the opinion of the gopis, this is a quote taken directly from Srimad Bhagavatam, where the gopis say, this Govardhan hill is the best of Krishna's devotees. Here's what they say. Oh, my friends, this hill supplies Krishna and Balaram, along with their calves, cows, and coward friends, with all kinds of necessities. Water for drinking. When the Govardhan Hill was much taller, here's, of course, a reservoir of water, but much taller, there were streams coming down the sides of Govardhan Hill regularly. Water for drinking. Very soft grass. Caves. Fruits and flowers and vegetables. In this way, the hill the hill offers all respect to the Lord. Is a very nice painting of some caves by the side of Govardhan Hill, where Radha and Krishna would sit together, and from time to time. When it was very hot, they would go to the cooler place where there's a cave and enjoy their pastimes there. Govardhan also features soft roots for eating, jewels, and other ornaments for the body, and flat places for sitting. The, the, there's a wire that's hanging in the way. Yeah, if you could move that, that would be nice. And flat places for sitting. Here we see a very nice painting. Radha and Krishna seated on a flat stone of Govardhan. Here's another where Krishna is underneath a tree. We see some cows in the background grazing, and Krishna is playing upon his flute, charming. Radharani with the sound of his flute as they're sitting comfortably on the flat sitting places that Govardhan provides. Here's another nice painting. In the background is Govardhan Hill and in the foreground is one of the sitting places of Radha and Krishna by the side of Govardhan Hill. And you can see right up at the very top there is one of the structures, one of the temples of Gopal. We'll hear something more about Gopal later. The temple at the top of the hill and some cows along the side of the hill. In this way, the hill offers respect to the Lord. Thus, Krishna in the form of Govardhan Hill shows 
how to render pure devotional service. And Govardhan is always serving Krishna, always. Never anything but service to Krishna. And in the opinion of the gopis, the best. Being touched by the lotus feet of Krishna and Balaram, Govardhan Hill appear very jubilant. That's the opinion of the gopis, and there's certainly authorities we accept. Now here's a, a drawing of Braj Mandal, and you see going along the right side of that drawing, that's the river Jamuna, kind of weaving back and forth. And towards the center, running north and south, you will see Govardhan Hill. It's long and narrow, kind of towards the middle of that drawing. And here's a uh, Google map, a projection of Govardhan Hill, as you see from the sky. Now, Govardhan, as you see, it's long and narrow, and it actually runs due north, north and south. This is at an angle just so we can fit the whole of Govardhan Hill into the image. And Govardhan is sometimes compared to be in the shape of a peacock. If you see in the right in the center that the torso portion of the peacock is whitish, that's Govardhan town, where there's many structures. That's like the belly or the central part of the, the hill of Govardhan. And peacocks have a long tail, punch it's called, at the very, very base of that tail of punji. And um, then a long neck, and at the top of the neck is a head. And you look closely and you will see two kuns, Radha kun, Shamakund at the very top. And when you're doing Govardhan Parikrama, you go along the eastern side. Of course, it depends on where you begin. Sometimes people begin at Manasti Ganga. We're going to begin in another place. Kusum Sarovar, you'll see shortly. So that's uh, the picture of Govardhan Hill today, what it looks like from an aerial projection. Over on the left, this is a drawing, of course. There's the Radha Kunshamakund relative to the rest of Govardhan Hill. And we're going to begin over in the upper right side, which is Kusum Sarovar, traditionally when I've done Govardhan Hill, that's where we begin. It's described in Chaitanya Charitamrita that when Lord Chaitanya would circumambulate, he would begin at Manasi Ganga. That, that is another tradition. But when you have large groups, Kusum Sarovar is really easy. <laughs> so we begin there. There's places for buses and everything. And it's a very, very beautiful place to begin early in the morning. So we begin paying our prostrated obeisances to the dust of Vrindavan and the hill of Govardhan. And in this place where we begin, the first thing that you'll see is this canal. There's a canal, an irrigation canal for the agriculture that goes all the way to the river Jamuna. So that's sacred river Jamuna water pictured here and agriculture people on either side 
doing their agricultural activities right there in the side of Govardhan Hill. And the first place that we visit, of course, often when you're doing, I'm accustomed to doing Parikrama, was you start really early in the morning before the sun comes up. So it's still kind of darkish, just beginning of the crack of dawn. This, this architecture of Kusum Sarovar, Kusum Sarovar means the, the lake itself. You see the architecture reflecting in the lake. And uh, it's a very special place. It's a, in one sense, it's what we know in the West as a war memorial. There was a king who uh, was victorious against invading uh, soldiers from the north, and he defeated them. And following the victory, defeating the invading soldiers from the north, he built this structure uh, around the, the lake, Kusum Sarovar. And uh, it's, it's also dedicated to one of his queens. You'll see as we go inside, here's another photograph, another closer up photograph. There, the water, depending upon the season, goes high or low. And it's a favorite place for the Gurukula kids to go and jump off those stanchions that you see sticking out and splashing around in Kusum Sarovar. But it's a very sacred place. We'll hear something further as we go along. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur writes about Kusum Sarovar. With its nearby forest groves, the limitless nectar trickling flowers in its waters, Kusum Sarovar shines with great splendor. It is the handsome face of Govardhan Hill. Is it the handsome face of Govardhan Hill, the king of mountains? This lake is known as Kusum Sarovar because of the many blossoming flowers destined to become gopis in the future that grow in its waters. So if you want to become a gopi in your next life, you can become a flower in Kusum Sarovar and go back to Godhead that way. Here's what it looks like early, early, early in the morning. Nice photography. And there's sunset at night. So here's one of the structures. And inside the structure, um, you'll see some paintings. Now in the lower section is the paintings of the king. And as you see in the upper section, it's pastimes of Krishna. They, of course, they've, they've been restored many times over, but different pastimes of Krishna depicted there. And here's the king riding on his elephant, going to war, etc. He didn't neglect, you know, his efforts in this war memorial. Uh, some lotus feet. Now, it doesn't say specifically. There's no sign saying what these lotus feet are. 
but one may take it as the lotus feet of Radharani and Krishna. This man was very clearly, his king was a devotee of Krishna. So here's some other photographs of the, the structures. And again, another photograph of the feet. So from different angles. Now, one of the pastimes that took place here that's depicted, you'll see shortly, the image that was in the ceiling of that central structure is called the Janji Festival. Now, the Janji Festival, even to this day, as far as I understand it, is performed at Varsana. Varsana, as you probably know, Varsana is the place where Radharani lived. So it's, it's, it's an annual tradition in Varsana that the young girls, they, um, on that particular Janji festival day, they go out early in the morning and they gather flowers. And when they come back in the afternoon, they decorate the doorway around their homes and the elders come through and evaluate who did the best decorations. And at the end of the day, there's a festival for honoring whoever did the, made the nicest decorations. So, of course, Radharani and her friends wanted Radharani to win. <laughs> so they left early in the morning and they came to this place to gather flowers because in this place <coughs> there were different trees, not present today, but different trees and bushes that provided very, very nice flowers. Ashok trees have nice flowers, so forth. So they came early in the morning and began gathering flowers. And Radharani was known by the other, her friends, to be really good at gathering the best flowers and the most flowers, and she was always the best at everything. So as Radharani was gathering these flowers, um, her sari got stuck on one of the thorns. And as she was trying to get her sari that was stuck on one of the thorns, Another part of her sari got stuck, and then another part of her sari got stuck, and she called out to her friends for help. But lo and behold, her friends were at a distant place, and a young fellow came along and relieved her sari from being stuck on the thorns. And she was very grateful and uh, asked this young fellow, Who are you? And he said, I'm the uh, servant of the king. And my service on behalf of the king is to look after his gardens where all these nice flowers are. So I just happened to be here and I saw you stuck. And so I released you. So thank you very much. And he said, well, I must go now. I have some other service to do. So when he went away, 
Radharani was bewildered, somehow she became so attracted to this young gardener. And when the, the, her friends saw Radharani in this condition, uh, they asked her what happened. You normally have, you have more flowers than all of us put together and you hardly have anything. What happened? So she, she explained what happened. And they said, well, we have to hurry and get our flowers and get back to Barsana so we can decorate the doorway and you can be victorious in the Janji festival. And she said, I, I can't take my mind off that wonderful gardener. And suddenly the gardener showed up again and said, aha, I'm the gardener of the king and I've known that there are some flowers that are being taken and it's nearly every day that this happens and it must be you. So you have to pay your tax to the king. You've taken his flowers. And so with his stick, he hit the bottom of their baskets and the flowers went scattering all over the place. And they were very angry. What have you done? What have you done? So they grabbed him and as they grabbed him, they felt something tucked into the back of his cloth and they saw a flute. And so they said, wait a minute, you're not a gardener. You're, you're not, um, you're, you're Van Bihari. You're not Vanamali. Vanamali is a word for a gardener. You're not Vanamali, you're Van Bihari. This is Krishna. So now see what you've done. You've taken all these flowers from our baskets and now they're all over the floor. We can't use them now. So Krishna said, I'll pick them up. He said, well, you pick them up, but they've been on the floor. Well, I'll take them to the river Jamuna and I'll have them all washed. They said, we don't have time. We've got to get back. But what to do, what to do? And you've offended Radharani. So this is the painting that's in the ceiling of uh, those structures. This is the fellow in the center, that's Krishna with a mustache. Krishna doesn't have a mustache. And there's Radharani is decorating the hair of Radharani. So this is a very um, celebrated pastime. There's many paintings where Krishna is decorating Radharani's hair with flowers. And Radharani is looking at herself, but actually she's looking at Krishna in the mirror. And after decorating Radharani's hair with flowers, um, Krishna has other ornaments like rings and other items to add to the decoration of Radharani. Very beautiful painting. It, it all indicating the same pastime or the nature of that particular exchange between Radha and Krishna. Here we see by Krishna's foot is different items that he's going to decorate her with. Um, and she's of course enjoying the attention that she's getting from Krishna. 
Here he's placing some ornaments on her hands. The other gopis are, of course, assisting. Very beautiful painting. This is all connected with the Janji festival pastime. Krishna is placing some marks on Radharani's forehead, giving her a selection of rings and jewels and other ornaments that are in the foreground on our left, on that eight-sided slab. Krishna is placing items for her decoration. So this is the Janji festival that takes place at Kusum Strober. So the end of that pastime, after Radharani is served nicely by Krishna, it's late. They have to get back. Krishna says, don't worry. I, I can get there very quickly. Krishna takes all of their flowers, having washed them in Kusum Sarovar. Radharani gets the first prize, although Krishna did the decoration. <laughs> she won the festival that year. Here's a, an aerial view of where we are. In the lower right, you'll see a square uh, body of water, dark in color, and that's the Sarovar, that's the lake. In the middle, it has a number two by it. That's the, um, the structure, the war memorial, so to speak. And over to our left, or to the left of that, number three, that's Uddhava's temple. And number four at the, the dead center, that's the Banbihari temple. And we're going to visit these other places shown in the image as well. Ratna, Kund. Well, but we'll get there. So here's uh, a modern photograph of Uddhava's temple. Uddhava, as many of you know, a dear, dear associate of Krishna, who was with him in Mathura, Krishna sent Uddhava to Mathura, from Mathura to Vrindavan to uh, carry a letter from him to the gopis. So here's the deity in the center of Uddhava's. <coughs> Uddhava is darkish in complexion, like Krishna. In fact, he looked so much like Krishna that the gopis thought he was Krishna when he came. And to our left, you'll see these two smaller figures at some of the gopis. And of course, Radharani to Krishna's left or to our right. Here's the, the, the altar. Here's a close-up of Uddhava with some... Um, Gopis by his side, that's Srimati Radharani. There's some of the gopis. There's a much older photograph of the same place. And here's Uddhava with a mustache. Sometime before uh, you saw the recent one, Radharani was, is not there, but Radharani showed up later. There's the gopis to our left or to Uddhava's right. And when you do Govardhan Parikrama, you'll remember 
that Uddhava desired to become a blade of grass just to get some dust from the feet of the gopis. So this is the place where this pastime took place. Now we're going to go, this is that same photograph again. And we're going to go down to number four, that's at the center. And this is the Banbihari temple. Now the ISKCON was given charge of this deity Banbihari by a very old sadhu that didn't have sons. And so he, having a great respect for ISKCON and some of the devotees that would pay their respects at this little temple, he gave them responsibility to look after the, the deity. And so it's an ISKCON temple. Very nicely taken care of. You can see it in the center of that image of the altar is that the picture of Krishna decorating Radharani's hair. Of course, there's several Govardhan Shilas. There's that image, the painting. Ban Bihari. Krishna is Ban Bihari. The Ban, the ban means forest and Bihari means the enjoyer. So that's Krishna. And there's a special little Sheila. This is baby Krishna lying at his back during the time of cosmic devastation that you'll find when you visit that place. So how are we doing with time? We have the, about 15 minutes, a little bit less. We're going to continue now. Uh, this is not the... This is the drawing, not the aerial photograph. We're going to go to, uh, over on the far left of this image is Kusum Sarovar and the places that we've already visited. We're going to go to directly across the street from the Prikrama path to Nardakund. And then we're going to go to um, the, the place where the Ratnakund is. Now there, there's details which are shown if we were to do a close-up. Narada Kund looked like a wreck, like you see here. This is years ago. And subsequently, it's been repaired. Uh, so it's not all falling apart. But it's a very beautiful place. And this, the, the connection with this Narada Kund is Narada, hearing of these wonderful glories of Krishna's pastimes with the gopis, he wanted to participate in Krishna's pastimes like the gopis, but you can't do that in a male body. So he was dipped into the Kusum Sarovar and he came out as Naradi. So you see behind on the photograph is Narada with his Veena. And you see in the foreground just before that is Narada in a gopi form, Naradi as a result of being dipped into the Kusum Sarovar and coming out in a gopi form. So he could enjoy pastimes along with the gopis in a gopi form, very special place. And now we're going with that right in the center, there's that circle, kind of orange-ish circle. And you look 
to our right of that circle is that's where Govardhan Hill is starting to appear. That is to say, Govardhan has been shrinking, which went much further over. But now they're little, they were that white-ish looking section. That's where Govardhan begins to appear. Now to get into this place in the center, uh, where Ratnakund, etc. is, we're going to have to go along this very rustic path. You know, bullock carts travel here and pilgrims travel here and there's no road or other kind of more common roadway, but that's okay. The, the, the ground is very soft. And as we, as we proceed, we can see this um, circular structure over here in the center. And just behind that circular structure, if you look very carefully, you'll see one of the Nilagai, it's called the local language, and that's a black cow. Nila means black, and Gai is their, their term for cow. Uh, they're very special, they're very shy. You can see one right in the center, kind of, they, they have bodies like a cow and they move like horses or deer. They move very swiftly and very common. They'll just stand there and stare at you and you're staring at them. There's, there's two of them in the center. They're looking at you. You're looking at them and it's a stare down session <laughs> and uh, they're shy. Sometimes they hide behind a tree or something like that. And then all of a sudden they're gone, just like deer bounding and they disappear into the forest. There's another one. And the next image is, this is uh, called Ratna Stali. It's a place where a pastime took place connected with uh, Krishna Krishna. Forgetting his name. Shanka Chuda. Shanka Chuda. Shanka Chuda was the name of an associate of King Kamsa that uh, had a, a conch-shaped jewel in his turban. And Kamsa had heard about Radha and the gopis, and he was a lusty fellow like... Ravana was a lusty fellow, and he sent Shankachuda to bring the girls. So he came to this place. Now, where when he came, there you read about it in the Bhagavatam. They, it was Doliatra, and they were engaging in a, a festival, as is done at Doliatra, a traditional festival. Balaram was there, Krishna was there, different of the young gopis just enjoying Doliatra festival, and Shankachuda tried to steal them. So after they were destroyed by Krishna, we'll see a picture of Shankarachuda shortly, uh, Radha was seated on a throne, Ratna, a jeweled throne, Ratna Singha San. And here Krishna is depicted 
decorating the feet of Radha on this special occasion. There's where the throne was, the, the um, deities are Govardhan Shilas inside, and this is Ratna Kund, where Radha, after being um, harassed by Shankachuda, took bath for purification. It's now in better shape than this image, but it's pretty much uh, the sacred place, same sacred place. There's Shankachuda. And Krishna Sako let him have it and finished Shankachuda. It's an interesting thing. He took the jewel from his turban and he didn't want the gopis to be envious. Oh, she got it instead of me. So he gave the, gave the jewel to Balaram. <laughs> it's right in the Bhagavatam. <laughs> and very near to this place is a shrine where you can see in Govardhan Shila, there's uh, markings of Krishna's foot and and there's a marking of the footprint of a calf in the Shila. So it's a it's a much honored place. They sometimes put flowers and other things to decorate because it's one of the places where Krishna would come on a regular basis with his coward friends and enjoy their pastimes together by the side of Govardhan Hill. Going a little bit further away, there are some more modern paintings. This is what it looked like when I first visited, really wasted. Gual Pokor is called. Gual is the local language for uh, cowherd boys, cow, those who protect cows. So the cowherd boys would refresh themselves. It didn't look like this when they were there, I'm sure. But uh, it's it's been since the different institutes have invested money to make it look nice. But that's what it looked like when I first visited. So we're going to go just a little bit further where it's now five minutes left before the eight o'clock bell rings. You see along the the line there, there's where Govardhan is starting to appear. So we're going to offer our respects to Govardhan Hill as it's starting to appear. Written in Chaitanya Chandramrita, this is Prabodhananda Saraswati writing. When Lord Chaitanya saw Govardhan Hill, he immediately offered obeisances, falling down on the ground like a rod. He embraced one piece of the rock from Govardhan Hill and became mad. There's a place where local pilgrims, they begin to worship by placing kunkum and flowers and, and milk and other substances for worship of Govardhan Hill because the hill itself is non-different non than Krishna. Here's a nice painting of Lord Chaitanya embracing a part of Govardhan Hill as Krishna himself. It's for this reason that Lord Chaitanya saw Govardhan as Krishna himself, that he would never walk on Govardhan Hill Although bridge bosses do, we don't. We follow Lord Chaitanya and respect Govardhan as non-different than Krishna. So this is our 
Um, our time is up. A virtual visit to Govardhan Hill. We didn't get very far. We started Kusum Sarovar, and this is how far we've gotten. We've gotten as far as where Govardhan Hill starts to appear. And the next place that we, we would get to, maybe another time when I am with you all, we can visit Manasi Ganga and all the places around Manasi Ganga. That's a very special place also. Like I mentioned, uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that pilgrims will often start their pilgrimage at Manasi Ganga. That is a little difficult because of parking for buses. Madhasi Ganga, much easier, Kusum's Rover, plus it's so beautiful. And the, the pastimes connected with that are very nice. So there's where we may go next time, or if you go down along the eastern side of Govardhan Hill, you'll come to Madhasi Ganga, and there's very wonderful pastimes of Krishna connected with the whole of Govardhan, including Madhasi Ganga. So right there in Houston, you have your own Manasi Ganga Dasi. You're one of your officers of the temple. So she's named after this place. By Tamal Krishna Maharaj. So let's see if there's some discussion. I don't know if that's going to work because of time and technology and everything. So if you want... You can unmute yourself and uh, speak something. How are we doing? Doing great. Okay. It's an abrupt halt, but you know, here we are. So anybody that would like to, to speak up or send something to, I guess, your chat window or what, however you do that. How long does the tour that you just took us on take by foot? The, what, the, the, just the little distance that we went takes about mm, two to three hours, depend on how, how many turtles you have in your group. <laughs> nice. And again, how long you have kirtan, that's another. Because sitting at the, at the banks of Manasi Ganga and having kirtan is very lovely. Mm. It's, very, uh, it's very, there's space for it as well. Just have to watch out for the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, it looks beautiful. Thank you, Maharaj. Okay, well, if there's nothing in the question section, I guess we can end on time, which is eight o'clock. Sure. Is that all right? Uh, yes, Maharaj. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for a wonderful class tonight and for your association. It was uh, great to have you back.
Okay. We have some um, online people because in addition to what you're seeing on the screen and this Zoom, there's also a live stream, Facebook, blah, blah thing going on. So we often have people sending in questions. If you want, you can stay on. Otherwise, you can all sign off and we'll just take the online questions locally. What would you like? Uh, sure, that'd be great. Uh, okay, so read out the questions. Sure. Thank you. This question is from Sarala Mataji. Mahamantra exists even before Lord Chaitanya. If so, why Mahamantra came into existence after Lord Chaitanya? That's a, uh, the, the question itself is a contradictory question. If the, the premise is the Mahamantra existed before Lord Chaitanya came, which is true, then it didn't make its appearance after Lord Chaitanya came because it was already existing. This Mahamantra is a very ancient mantra. It's found in the Upanishads. So it didn't just appear. It was popularized, made prominent by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But it was pre-existing. He just brought it to the foreground. This question is from Radha. This is a 10-year-old girl in Boston, Radha. Here if, we go. If Govardhan keeps shrinking, will it one day disappear? Theoretically, yes. But, you know, th that's up to Govardhan, whether he's going to disappear or not. And the next question from Radha when next yuga cycle comes, will Govardhan reappear to its big size again? Yes. Govardhan will, likes to serve Krishna. That's what we heard the gopis say. And the diminishing of Govardhan is either one of two things. Palashyamuni's curse or separation from Krishna. But when Krishna appears, no separation. As we heard in Garga Samhita, in, in Krishna Loka, he just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So he came in a, a more modest size for Krishna's pastimes, but he'll appear again, no problem. He likes to be with Krishna, and Krishna likes him to be there, as does Radha. This is a comment from Shamasundar Prabhu. Thank you very much, Maharaj, for allowing us to be immersed in the past times of Radha and Krishna. The next question is from Radha Kunjabihari Prabhu. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, is the associate of Kamsa, Shankachuda, the same as the one in Tulasi Purana? No. The, 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 this Puranic story uh, floats around in the devotee community and it's a tamasic story and I my skin crawls when I hear it being told so 
although it may bear the same name, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a, a fan of that Thomasic story about Chung Pichuto. Thank you. This question is from Kasturi Manjari Mataji, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. As this year, due to COVID, we couldn't visit Vrindavan and Govardhan. How can we cultivate that visiting Govardhan consciousness? There's all kinds of recordings and videos and your devotees glorifying just like we're doing now. So you can do that. I was asked, oh, we can't go to Govardhan, we can't go to Vrindavan. Can we do a virtual? And it's, it's, it, I, we, I declined. It's not the same. Uh, you know, experientially, it's not the same. Transcendentally, it's the same. But experientially, it's not the same. Uh, there's a GBC strategic planning interview with Bhakti Chaitanya Maharaj. That's three parts. And you'll find it online. And you can do the whole Govardhan Parikrama with him. And there's like 780 slides. You know, it, it takes you, he does it, the whole tour in three hours. You can't walk around Govardhan Hill in three hours. But you can do the virtual tour with him in three hours. And it's really nice. You know, it's simplified. Lots and lots and lots because he really is, a, he's into images. It, really good photographer with lots of pictures of the you know, the peacocks and the monkeys and the cows and the parrots and the thises and the thats. You know, it, lots of the flora and fauna and animals. There's maybe 20 Neela Guy photos that are really good. So you that's one option for you. Anybody listening who wants to do a Govardhan Prikram with Bhakti Chaitanya Swami, can, that, that's where you can go. This question is from Pooja Mataji. Hmm. Um, Pooja Singh Mataji. Guru Maharaj, what is the appropriate mood and intention one should have before, during and after Govardhan Parikrama? Any offenses we should be particularly be careful to avoid? Yeah. The best, the, the instruction is prayerful mood and prayerful meaning specifically praying for mercy because it's not just uh, sights and sounds and hearing of the stories, the pastimes, but it's more than that. Of course, you can we can hear and, and not receive fully, but if you're in a prayerful mood, then you can, your heart is open and the mercy of Krishna and the form of Govardhan and Krishna being involved with pastimes connected with Govardhan, the mercy will come more completely. So that, that, that that's a preparation during and after is a prayerful mood, naturally so. And offenses to be avoided, there's Dhammaparads, you'll find them in scripture, Dham. Like with Nam Aparad and Seva Aparad, there's Nam, Dham Aparad. You can find them in scripture. You, you, one who visits the Dham should know what they are. There are lots of overlap with Nam Aparad. 
but there's some differences. This question is from Amara Mataji. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. What is the difference between the Vrindavan that we see on the earth and Goloka Vrindavan that we aspire for? What we see on earth is, is the covering. Now below the, so Bhakti Vinod Thakur uses this nice metaphor. Supposing there's oil spilled on the surface of water. When you look at the water, what do you see? You don't see the water because the water, the oil spreads out in a thin film over the whole surface of the water. So you see just the oil. Similarly, when you or I or any one of us in unqualified people go to the Holy Dham, we're likely to see the covering, that thin veneer or oil covering. But beneath that covering, the, the two places are non-different. The two places are not literally non-different. There's a practical way to describe this, Prabhupada's practical way, is comparing an embassy to the country the embassy represents. Literally, the embassy is that country. The laws of the country, the paper of the country, the paper cups that are inside the embassy come from that company, a country. They import the water from that country. It's, it's that country. The laws of that country apply. If you break the law, you're subject not to the country in which you are, but the law of that embassy's country. It's not different. The embassy is not different than the country or the ambassador is a representative of the country. So the, the, the Dham here in this earthly realm is the spiritual counterpart or embassy of the spiritual world, and they're non-different. And a very nice place to get a, a really uh, delightful description of how that's true is Gopa Kumar's experience of going up and down, going from Goloka to Gokul and back and forth, and he realized there's actually no difference. So if you could transport yourself quickly between the two like Gopal Kumar can, then you'd have that realization. They're literally not different. Nothing different. You know, transcendentally speaking, nothing different. This question is from Sarala Padi Mataji. I have one more question. Why is meat eating prohibited in Krishna consciousness? Spirituality depends on, does spirituality depend on what we eat? Uh, the, the, the question is off topic, but maybe I, I'll be happy to respond to the question. We, this spirituality is dependent upon doing that which is pleasing to the supreme cause of all causes, Krishna. And th therefore, eating is not spiritual or non-spiritual. Eating depends upon the consciousness with which the eating is done. And the eating that's done for the pleasure, anything that's done for the pleasure of Krishna, then it becomes spiritual. It's described in Bhagavad Gita. 
that if you eat foods that are not offered to Krishna, there's one result. And if you eat foods that are offered to Krishna, there's another result. We don't eat meat because we can't offer meat to Krishna. Krishna wouldn't accept it. We protect animals, we don't eat them. So we offer to Krishna what Krishna will accept and, and we take that which Krishna has accepted because it is spiritual food and it sanctifies our existence. That's the ground level of why we don't do anything or do anything. It's that which is pleasing to Krishna, that's our standard. So Krishna asks for certain things and we offer those certain things or under the, under the categories of those things. That's what becomes our food. And we, we act in an alignment with what Krishna wants, that's spiritual. And we ignore what Krishna wants, that's material. And we're thinking of ourselves, our senses, what's satisfying, whether it's pleasing to Krishna or not, doesn't matter. That's material. The next question from same uh, Sharla Mataji is, people say that Duryodhana is a bad warrior because his name means bad warrior. Is this true? I don't know the etymology of the meaning of his name. I can look it up, but I don't know. If he's called a bad warrior, it, it, it probably has to do with his character, not his name. This question is from Mahati Kirti Madhaji. Lifting Gordhan Hill is the example we hear for six opulences. Power of Lord Krishna, Supreme Lord. But if someone asks, even Pulastya lifted Govardhan and Lord Hanuman also lifted mountain, they are powerful too. Yes, they are. How can we answer this, Maharaj? Should we think Krishna lifting Govardhan on tip of the little finger is not possible by anyone? Uh, we, well, the, this is a clever question. Most people aren't going to be so clever. But some people are clever. And then you can ask that person, the clever person, where does Palashya get his power from? And where does Hanuman get his power from? Ask them that question. Palashya's power comes from his mystic performances. He gets some mystic power, which can be also taken from him. And when his body dies, there goes the mystic power, but Krishna's, Krishna doesn't die. Krishna has that power for when he's six days old and kills Putana and three months old and kills Shakatasara, the cart demon. This question is from Vachaspati. His question is, Maharaj, you said that Govardhan Hill was cursed to shrink by the size of a mustard or sesame seed every day. What yuga did this take place in? Did Govardhan Hill and Vrindavan exist on earth before this incident? Uh, the, the person, for those of you from Houston, the person asking the question 
there's a young man about to enter college. That's, you know, the age of the person that just asked the question. I guess that's similar to what your group is working towards reaching younger people. So he's one of you, he's one of them, one of us. <laughs> um, it, it, it doesn't say what yoga, doesn't say what yoga, so I can't say what yoga. I can guess, but it doesn't say. It's certainly before Krishna appeared. So his question also is, did Govardhan Hill and Vrindavan exist before this incident? Yeah, there's, there's appearance and disappearance of everything, even for those entities or beings that are eternal. So they certainly existed. Govardhan and, and the river Jamuna and Krishna's cowherd boyfriends, they, they existed before his pastimes. And then they made their appearance and they made their disappearance. This uh, question is from Sachi Sutta Prabhu. Maharaj, I remember you mentioned that we are not supposed to take a bath in Radha Kund. Why is the case? I don't know about mentioning we're not supposed to. Here's what Prabhupada said about taking bath in Radha Kund. It's very sacred. And without having due reverence as to its sacredness, one can make an offense because it's so sacred. So at one point, he prohibited his disciples from taking bath because they, 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 the first time they visited, they went splashing around like it was a, a pool for, you know, for playing and swimming and jumping and frolicking. So then he became very disturbed and said, no more. And then many, many, many years later, he then lightened that restriction and said, with permission of the spiritual master, you may, but be very reverential. So it, it's, it's restricted from bathing unless one is very reverential because it's so sacred. And if you want to know the sacredness, you can read the last three verses of Nectar of Instruction. It's just glorifying Radha Kun's sacredness. This question is from Atulya Mataji. I have a friend who was born in Mathura from childhood. She and her relatives did Govardhan Parikrama multiple times. But she found real meaning of Krishna consciousness here in USA and have bad memories of events of people being under modes of nature. So what is the significance of taking birth in such sacred place and how to understand the Vrajavasis in the earthly Vrindavan? Understanding the Vrajavasis in earthly Vrindavan is not easy because we use material yardsticks for measuring things and the spiritual advantage of their taking birth in the Holy Dham is something we can't measure with material yardsticks and their standards and their behaviors and so forth 
are not things that are easy for to us to understand. There, however, there's commonly, of course, there's bad people everywhere, including in the Holy Dham, but their uh, nature is intrinsically Krishna Bhakti or Radha Bhakti. It's just very nature, very natural for them. And because it's the Holy Dham, they're as long as they don't make offense, which is not so easy when you live in a place to not make offense. But as long as they don't make offense, that's their last lifetime. Now we we can say that very easily. And what does that mean? You apply it to us. Here we are, wherever we are. You know, there's some people here from Houston, some people here from Chicago, and some people from other places all around. Are we going? This our last lifetime? Not so likely. So, is there something special about being born in Vrindavan? Yes. And leaving your body in Vrindavan? Yes. And not making offenses in the Holy Dham? Yes. So the the opportunity doesn't mean one will never make offense. So now, Prabhupada taught us that we should not mix freely with the Vrijbasis because we won't understand. We should respect them, but from a distance. That was his advice. Because they have ways that we won't understand. And we'll misread because we have our material yardsticks. But there are certainly there's devotees. You know, if you want to visit Vrindavan and have a wonderful experience, go with Dinabandhu. And he is practically a Brijvasi. He speaks not just Hindi, he speaks bridge. <laughs> and, and when they hear him speaking in their own dialect, they, you know, they're tickled. They're so happy. But it's not just, it's not, you know, it's not a an external thing. It's not a cosmetic thing. It's something that's internal. So he has the best of both. His ISKCON uh, training and, and, you know, years and years and years and decades of experience. Plus he has an intimate feel, the pulse of the resident of Vrindavan. So he's a real good person for you to, when you go to Vrindavan, to spend time with and visit holy places with him. And you'll have a very different experience than what you experienced in the past. This question is from Amara Mataji. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. I have a follow-up that once I heard in a class that going back to Godhead is a state of consciousness. Could you kindly shed some light on this with regard to aspiring to go to Goloka Vrindavan, please? Yeah, Prabhupada was said about himself, I'm always with Krishna. My home, you know, home is where the heart is. His heart was with Krishna in Vrindavan. So when wherever he was, it was Vrindavan, because that's where his home is, where his heart is. So it's the consciousness. Is, there is a place, and it's not a zero, but the consciousness is the ten. You can be in the place and be in bad consciousness. Or you can be physically separate from the place and be in Vrindavan. So to go back to Godhead or to be with Krishna in Vrindavan is consciousness. 
that we, we want to take that consciousness and be in Vrindavan. That's what we want to do. But we also have our Prabhu Data Desh, our responsibility to Krishna and disciplic succession to conduct our lives being representatives of Krishna's Vrindavan and Krishna Bhakti wherever we are, and that we can carry Vrindavan consciousness with us as representatives of Krishna. And you do that and you're back home, back to Godhead at the end of this life. This is a comment from Raghava Chaitanya Prabhu. When you read these, leave off the, the preamble, please. My understanding, anyone, my understanding is that anyone may have one or a few opulences, but only Krishna has all six opulences in full. The next question. Persons may have more than one or two. They just don't have them in fullness. That's all. This next question is from Yashasvini, nine-year-old daughter of Sarala Mataji. As Lord Krishna's follower, what is the first quality I should focus on? You'll find in Bhagavad Gita, Amanitvam, Adambitvam. That's humility and pridelessness. Start there. Chapter 13, texts 8 through 12, I believe. Chapter 13, 8 through 12. Humility and pridelessness. There's others where you could point to, but that's a good place to start. Okay. This question is from Aradita Mataji. You described how Narada had the desire to be with Krishna as a gopi. Is it appropriate for us to have similar mood to serve Krishna? Yeah. When you're very advanced like Narada, go for it. <laughs> and... Uh, this question is from Radha. Can we be... Again, this is a 10-year-old. Can we be an earthly Vrajavasi if we cannot be a Vrajavasi in spiritual realm so easily? Yes, please. Become a Vrajavasi in this world. This question is from Sanchari. One of the aspects of Govardhan that I was appreciating in your lecture is his ability to be flexible and accommodate Krishna's wants and needs. Yes. Govardhan was fully, sorry, full of many luxuries, yet everything about Govardhan was meant for the pleasure of Krishna. Yes. How do we develop this mentality for ourselves? Become a worshipper of Govardhan. And that quality becomes your quality. 